0: Welcome to Craig's Colorado Corner, taking on the toughest issues of our times, cornering the Colorado market on political and legal conversations. Craig Silverman, former Denver prosecutor, sets the table for smart panelists. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig's Colorado Corner.
1: Special Times call for a special podcast. And that's what I'm delivering today. Craig's Colorado Corner, it is a panel show, but we have too many panelists today to fit around one table. I talked to them individually, starting with late night, Tuesday night visit with Mario Nicholas in Washington. He's getting settled in as counsel for Norma Anderson in the biggest case in Colorado history being argued in front of the U.S. Supreme Court with a lot of momentum after the D.C. Circuit Court told, citizen Donald Trump, you are not above the law. You will have to stand trial unless you can get friends on the U.S. Supreme Court to do or say otherwise. I think Donald Trump is in big legal jeopardy, and I'm here to see it, along with my attorney buddies, Mario Nicholas, what an extraordinary interview. Listen to that, but followed up by my friend, Alan Malk. What an accomplished attorney, Alan, has been for over four decades in our community. He was a prosecutor. Now he has the good sense through his civil practice to advocate against Donald Trump and all the mega stands for. He got react to the great ruling in D.C. by the circuit court. So does Leora Joseph. She's going to be my guest on episode 196 as well, but you will get a taste of her passion for justice, and she's anti-Mega. She recognizes what happened in the Colorado Supreme Court. Listen to Leora Joseph. She is a very forceful, smart lady, and she works for Jared Polis, top cabinet official in charge of behavioral health, a former prosecutor. Get to know Leora. We've all gotten to know Ed Barad with the Brownstein Law Firm for many decades. He talks to us from the top of Steamboat Mountain. He's so happy about rule of law being restored. Hear his exhilaration. And then hear the experience of my law professor, Albert Alshuler. I had him at CU Law. After that, he went to the University of Chicago among his students a guy named Jonathan Mitchell. He's going to be advocating for Donald Trump at the U.S. Supreme Court. What a great guest to have on for this Insurrection Supreme Court argument special preview edition of Craig's Colorado Corner, joined also by good friend Rich Cotty. Rich Cotty is one of Colorado's best attorneys. He's proven it on both sides of the civil justice system. As an insurance defense lawyer, and then for consumers, he's just successful and smart and willing to say on behalf of trial lawyers, Donald Trump is a threat to the rule of law. We like that kind of talk, and we have so many great lawyers, six of them. Count them, a half dozen. Mario Nicholas. wow, to get him and D.C. on the cusp of this big argument, that was thrilling, but our headliner at the end, is really special. He's not a lawyer, but he cares about these court cases because he realizes there's a fascist threat in America. There's a potential dictator who's really in the palm of Vlad Putin. My Ukrainian correspondent, he's served in the armed forces of Ukraine. His named John Jackson. He's back in Denver for a little bit, and gosh, does he have wise thoughts about these court cases, and what's going on in the world. So this is a special Craig's Colorado Corner. We start with Mario Nicholas live from Norma Anderson's team, Colorado's team, in our nation's capital for the biggest argument ever. This is a special preview edition. Craig's Colorado Corner. Please subscribe to the Craig Silverman Show. You will get every Saturday episode and these specials. Craig's Colorado Corner, and Craig's Colorado Homefront, where we talk about Ukraine, Israel, and what's going on in the world. Right now, we're focused on February 8th, 8 a.m., oral argument, U.S. Supreme Court. Mario Nicholas is going to be in the room where it happened and after this message on this podcast. Enjoy all my guests. Thank you.
2: Hey, Greg.
1: Hey, Mario. Anything exciting going on this week?
2: A little here, a little there. Yeah. Got some stuff I got to do out east.
1: It's late on a Tuesday night. We got the big immunity ruling out in D.C. Are you the one who broke that free? Uh,
2: no, you know, I'm not, but I was glad to see it. Um, I think that they have um, um, It was. it was certainly a good ruling, I thought, and I thought it was a helpful ruling in our case.
1: Yes. And and uh, how so?
2: Well, I mean, I think the, uh, the U.S. Uh, District Court was pretty clear in one of their primary rulings and pieces of their ruling was, hey, um, no one's above the law in this country, including the uh, president of the United States. And You know, <laughs> that is not that is not directly an issue in our case. But it's it's kind of indirectly a part of it because the whole question about whether the Fourteenth Amendment applies um, to President Trump or not is really a question about is he above the law or not? Um, just like the immunity case was, and so you know, I mean, they issued a pretty strong opinion today, um, two days before we're getting heard at the U.S. Supreme Court, and you know, I think that those justices. Probably will see that kind of opinion come down. And they might be like, you know, we're kind of looking at the same thing right now. So um, it could be a series of pretty monumentous decisions.
1: You know who agrees with you is uh, Judge Ludig. He was on with Ali Belshi and he said he said that's the quintessential insurrection. What Trump did denying uh, presidential power to Joe Biden rightfully elected and uh, that buttresses your point. No man above the law. He is Citizen Trump. Tell everybody just about the excitement of this week as we look forward to Thursday, eight o'clock Mountain Time. But you are going to be in the chambers. Where are you right now? Are you in Washington? I am in D.C. I'm not going to tell you exactly. No, you don't need to that. tell me that. <laughs> tell me as much as you can. Do you feel the excitement building?
2: Yeah, you know, I will say, you know, it it is interesting. And what I think what I think has been particularly interesting recently is um, that a lot of people are now paying attention. Like, oh, yeah, the Colorado case. I mean, very few people were following this case from the beginning like you were. Uh, Very few people said, hey, this could be an important case. I, I, I mean, I think, you know, we visited while you were in the courtroom and you were there and. I mean, it's not a huge courtroom. In Denver, it's a big enough courtroom, but it wasn't even half full. And and sure, there were a lot of people maybe who were watching online and they were using that resource and that ability to watch. Um, but nonetheless, you would have thought people wanted to see a piece of history in the making. Um, but they didn't, you know, they didn't have it from there. And then, you know, the the Carter Supreme Court was mostly full, but not packed. Um, it wasn't until they made their decision. Um, that people started to really pay attention now, you know, even just, just as we've got a couple of days ago, now people all over the place are like, oh, yeah, that position. I think it's also helped out that people start paying attention to who the petitioners are. I think um, most people, I, I know a lot of people across the country did not know that the petitioners were people who um, were Republicans and, and well-known Colorado Republicans who had spent decades uh, working for conservative causes. And so, like, oh, this isn't just some liberal group or liberal folks. Right.
1: Well, let me brag on you because I know you're such a modest guy. Mario Nicholas, who's part of the plaintiff's team, he represents a woman named Norma Anderson. And if you read the top trending article in the Washington Post this week, it was about how M- Mario put that together. First, he approached Pam Anderson, who was my guest in studio when she ran for Secretary of State. And she's a nice lady, and she's the daughter-in-law of uh, Norma Anderson. And we talked about Norma. Uh, Mario asked Pam, tell me if I'm wrong. And she said, said, no, thank you, but I think my mother-in-law might do it. And holy cow, my mother-in-law is 91 years old, a lifelong resident of Jefferson County, and I was thinking how similar they are. I mean, Norma Anderson is profiled in this Washington Post piece, as it is my former radio colleague, Krista Kafer, but so is Mario Nicholas. You had to be really happy with that Washington Post coverage. It was amazing. And I think, I think having a picture of Norma Anderson posing with Clarence Thomas, you're working the refs, aren't you? <laughs> You're working the rest.
2: Well, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's really not working the rest. So we're not trying to do something like, I know that, that Donald Trump likes to do that sort of thing and kind of go from there. Well, I mean, I think for us, the important point piece is we're just basically saying, hey, look, these are real conservatives. They're truly, you know, bona fide conservatives. And this isn't just some sort of partisan battle. And that was important to us from the beginning. And you and I talked about that. When this first started up, is that it was important for us, for people to who are paying attention, to be like, "Oh, this isn't just some some sort of partisan group. This is about the Constitution. This is about um, you know what we do as citizens and what we believe, and whether the Constitution uh, stands for the proposition that no one's above the law." Um, I gotta figure. To I was,
1: gotta figure. You're making cocktails it. Uh, cracking some eyes there. What's that background noise? I know you're doing something utilitarian in
2: DC. Oh oh I'm um, I'm actually um <laughs> I'm actually just picking some up, stuff up from uh, Walgreens. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's
1: all right. It's you're in the DC Walgreens. Keep your eye head on a swivel out there. All right.
2: So yeah, keep going. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry about the bad No, it's bad all right. Turbo.
1: It's all right. I just wanna you know name that background noise we'll take you wherever we can get you tell me this everybody can read that washington post article i want to know about your media schedule we're doing this late on the tuesday night but do you have media demands can we watch you on nbc (laughs) abc cbs what's going on
2: yeah we have we have a whole bunch of uh different folks that we've been on and talking obviously we set up in the post. Um I'll, I'll tell you we've got a just about half the Colorado um uh press corps is flying out here in the next uh, uh day or so so um we'll be seeing them I think shortly as well. Uh certainly we're in a situation where um we've got a lot of national press who wants to talk um you know whether it's cnn or MSNBC we're kind of divvying those up between different people here or there. Um, i 've been taking a lead on a lot of those. Um, we definitely are <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word, trying to make sure that we uh, keep the uh, pressure off of um, um, Jason Murray, who will be making our argument um, for us because right now his his sole job is to focus on on making you know, perfect representation and a perfect you know, argument for the u s supreme Court and I, I got to tell you. Um, you can tune in and your listeners can tune in for the war argument. And I think you should, because you'll recognize, you can say I was there when a star made his first argument for this, because he's, he's just exceptional. And I, you know, I think, um, um, it, it would be a shame for people to miss this guy arguing and not know, Oh, wow. You know, I had a chance to listen to him early and, 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 and I heard him when he made that first argument. So, um, I would definitely tell your... Uh, he, he's the guy who argued in.
1: He, he argued in the Colorado Supreme Court, too?
2: Yeah, he was the first one who argued. He was the one who argued about the officer office right. um, issue. And he, I think he was um, extraordinarily powerful doing that. And um, that was a part of the reason that went in on why we were going to choose to go there uh, for him and well, have him well, make the right. argument here.
1: What do you know about the competition? His name is Jonathan Mitchell.
2: Right? Yeah, for Jonathan, Donald Trump.
1: Do you know him?
2: Um, I have never met Jonathan Mitchell. I I know him, but he's he he was a former, I believe, Scalia clerk. Um and he is um Do you know who else
1: you know he clerked for Ludig too? Judge Ludig as well, and Back at the University of Chicago Law School, he had my old CU Law professor, Albert Alshuler, went from CU Law to Chicago, and he's a guest after you on this episode, and he tells us all oh. about uh, Jonathan, who was a Federalist Society guy, super smart, so you've got formidable opposition,
2: right? Well, I guess I was a Federalist guy too, so... <laughs> um, and funny was, uh, thing was...
1: is that Ludig was not you know, that's an odd fact. A lot of people assume that Judge Lutig was, but I know from interviewing well, him. Yes.
2: Well, I don't know if there was, I don't know if that was, existed when he uh, originally, but maybe he just never joined the lawyers group either. But No,
1: he um, he, he hasn't. But I, I, I've been trying to figure out, and I talk about it with Ed Barada and others. I mean, what separates the guys who, see it your way. And there were a couple of federalist guys who led the way, right, with a a big article. And then Larry Tribe and Judge Ludig picked up on it. And then you guys ran with it. But uh, don't you shake your heads at some of these lawyers who go along with what seems to me to be fascism on the rise. And it's antithetical to the rule of law. And you know it bothers me? Does it bother you?
2: Oh, uh, without question. And so, you know, you know that I became an affiliate um, years ago when, when just before Trump took office. And, and one of the reasons I said it, but like I tell people, look, just because I'm not a Republican anymore doesn't mean I'm not conservative. I just don't know that Republican Party is conservative anymore, because think about the, the word. The word means to conserve, to keep, you know, to make sure that our democracy is not ruined or destroyed. Um, that, that we don't put people in power who deteriorate all of our freedoms. And Donald Trump does exactly that. I don't think you can support him and call yourself a conservative. Um, so I might not be a Republican anymore, but I'm still a conservative. And I think that anyone who is conservative um, would have to agree with me on this. And I'll tell you, you look at, all you have to do is look at the amicus briefs. The amicus briefs in this case um, are, are extremely telling. You have a bunch of amicus briefs supporting Trump that basically were um, me too amicus briefs, is I, what I want to say. They didn't really put forward any new arguments. They didn't bring much to it. It was just a bunch of congressmen or attorney generals or folks who wanted to make sure that they could say I supported Trump. You put their name on it and move from there. You look at the ones that either were kind of neutral, um, uh, or they came in on our side, and there's a, there's a richness to them. They add to the argument. They bring in different perspectives. They bring in so many pieces that you didn't have before, which makes them great amicus briefs. Um, no kidding. I give
1: you my top six. Yeah, it was the best of America. Give us your top six, but I'll give you top my six. favorite after you give me yours. Okay.
2: All right. Well, I think the top six, um, in no particular order, are there are two briefs from um, preeminent historians, um, historians who are the preeminent historians for the um, for the reconstruction area, for, for the Civil War and for those amendments, which is the time when the 14th Amendment was drafted and ratified. So they're the folks who have the best knowledge of what was going on at the time and what were people thinking. Um, another great one, um, I think, obviously, Ludig and Conway's. Is extremely powerful. Um, it is conservatives who basically say, you know, I mean, they effectively took up the William H. Buckley um, mantra and just, you know, stood athwart history and said, stop. Um, you know, when you're looking at a, someone who is an autocrat trying to take over, they just said, no, no more. We can't do this. This is what it means to protect our country. So, I, I think, I think that's a great amicus brief, uh, and obviously shows that this is. Not a partisan issue. Um, it is. It is a patriotic issue. Um, there's this good. There's there's a wonderful one by a professor from BYU, Professor Worley, where he goes through um, um, basically a linguistic analysis based on thousands and thousands of documents. Um, they're in a database, and he searches through what are the meanings of the words. And if you're if you're looking to be an originalist, if you're looking for what were what did words mean when they were written? This is the best amicus brief to go through and say, "Hey, is is the term you know, officer of the United States, is that a term of art?" And they very clearly say it was not, and and it was not meant to be that. Um, I think it's a maybe a little overlooked, but wonderful one to go through. Um, there's also the kind of Save Democracy Now um, group who wrote a a a brief all about what it means. For countries to go through authoritarianism and what it looks like. And they talk about what happened in Venezuela and they talk about what happened um, in in some uh, European countries. And they talk about, hey, this is what it looks like when authoritarians take over. And we're on a precipice right now. And one of the things is, you know, overlooking, you know, courts not acting in a manner where they could stop someone who's an authoritarian from taking action. I think. That one is powerful and extremely scary. Um, I would add into that very similar is a brief that was, is in favor of neither party, but a brief by Professors Foley and uh, Hassan and then Benjamin Ginsburg. Um, and I've worked with Ben Ginsburg before, and so your audience knows who he is. He was probably the preeminent Republican election law lawyer of the past 30 years. He is the lawyer who was in charge during Bush v. Gore. He, he he represented Trump, his law for one president Trump um in 2020. And what he what their brief basically says is the U the US Supreme Court cannot take an off-ramp, that it would be devastating the country for the US Supreme Court to take an off ramp or kick this down the road because of the dire consequences. So, you know, so for example, there's been an argument that oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't decide this until after the election because the 14th Amendment says holding office and not you know election and so we we should put that off till now and they point out that if you do that it is, it is not only not only is it a formula for disenfranchising tens of millions of voters but it also risks bring you know taking making a new january sixth only magnitudes larger can you imagine if president trump i'm using air quotes here wins um but then congress members go to say, well, the 14th Amendment doesn't apply, so we're, we're voting against him and challenging him there. Can you imagine the number of people will show up at the Capitol for that? And then you'll also have the National Guard there. I mean, it, 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 it's a recipe for, for absolute anarchy and chaos and something that should be avoided at all costs according to that amicus brief. So I, I think those are the amicus briefs. I, I personally read that I thought were incredible um, did, did you and see the, the one by? One. Did
1: you see the one by Professor Eiffel on behalf of civil rights groups? I think she's a, yep. a lot, Professor. I mean, that was magnificent yep. about all the ways that it aimed at black people uh, and it, 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 the arguments that Trump is forwarding.
2: Yeah, I think I think I think Professor Sherilyn Eiffel's amicus uh, brief was wonderful too. You know, I, I didn't. I, I would put in that second tier for me. Uh, after those first six, personally. Uh, and there are members of our team who would probably
1: Well, let me tell you my top tear brief. This is, Here, here's the top brief, far and away. It's not close, and I maybe haven't read them all, but I've read a fair share. But I like your brief. I like the oh. swagger of it. I like the way you filed it early, like Jack Smith. You said it yeah. loud and said it proud. Weren't you impressed with your own brief? Did you have a hand in that? And if you did, bravo.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I had a hand in it. Um, I, I will say that, you know, our team, our entire team had, you know, and we've got the, we've got the team of attorneys who were on the pleadings and I am lucky to be one of those. And I got, to, I'm the signer of the original complaint and obviously was part of the trial team, but we have a whole host of support folks around us who have been working nonstop on this. Um, who also pitched in and, and answer any questions. In fact, I was thinking to myself earlier today, I, the only thing I've ever been around that remotely reminds me of this is a presidential rapid response team. Um, and you can ask a question, and they go get the answer for you immediately. and It's amazing.
1: Well, What's amazing is to talk to you in D.C. Now, I was there once at the White House, and it was a memorable time, and it was when John McCain put his thumb down. It was when Scaramucci had his minute in the White House. And uh, I don't know, it was was 2017. But you are there at quite a moment. And let me tell my audience what happened in Denver District Court. Mario Nicholas cross-examined a guy named Ken Buck, a representative of Ken (laughs) Buck. And while we speak tonight, I don't know if you're following the news, but the Republicans called for the impeachment of Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Director, and they got stymied by Ken Buck saying, I'm not going with you, and by a dem named Al Green getting off his hospital bed, getting wheeled in. Did you hear about that happening in Washington, even as
2: you're out of
1: Walgreens, right, tonight?
2: I did. Well, I'm out of the Walgreens now, but... All right,
1: tell yeah. tell everybody what you think of Ken Buck about your experience cross-examining him, and you guys go way back. Mario, a fellow columnist for the Colorado Sun, you've written about Ken. I played basketball against Ken. We all know Ken, but you probably know him better than I do, having cross-examined him. What are your feelings tonight about Ken Buck, who is doing things that other Republicans are no doubt going to get mad about?
2: Yeah, I mean, so... I have a little mixed feelings about Representative Buck today. Uh, I mean, I've known him for 20 years since he was still a prosecutor. And and I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's one of those Republicans who is truly intelligent, intellectual, but uh, who's also had to take a lot of positions before in the past to keep his job. And I think, honestly, the reason he's leaving Congress is because, you know, he just can't square that peg anymore. Um, It just... It's just weighing on him too much, and he's seeing the party going in a place where he just doesn't want to do that. In fact, he said so, and if you remember, he announced his retirement during our trial of Trump, and then he came and testified. Now, I I, I never understood how he could say some of the reasons that he was leaving, particularly because of people who kept supporting the big lie and how— Republicans need to move on past that, and and you know, and how um, folks who stormed the Capitol, and then go testify on behalf of Trump in our trial. I, I just, I, I've always struggled that, and I don't know why. And if you because me, everybody Trump, does.
1: What the hell are you doing, man? Are you for Trump or are you against him? And
2: yeah, but he was retiring. I mean, it didn't matter to him. He didn't. I mean, I, I'll tell you, when he, it's it's one of those, Craig, you're a lawyer. You've been in court, you've cross-examined people before, and usually you know what's going to happen and how this is going to go. I'll be blunt, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I didn't know whether I was going to ask questions, and he was just going to flame through the president, Uh, which, you know, uh, we were like, okay, well, I'll just ask and open up. Um, You know, he didn't particularly... Uh, Right, and and, and
1: you you and I talked, and thanks for your help on that Cash Patel testimony. You didn't do the examination, but you were there. I watched it on C-SPAN But you told me you were frustrated about your cross of Ken Buck because you weren't allowed to go into a lot of areas. Of course, the judge, you know, she made a ruling. And uh, in a lot of ways, it was in your favor. Uh, But but weren't you a little hamstrung? I mean, it was a crazy week for Ken Buck. You must have ripped up your cross-examination
2: several times. Yeah, I kind of did. And, yeah, I was a little bit frustrated that the, uh, the judge, you know, ruled that we couldn't go into some of the statements that he had made like the day before about this very issue, especially, especially after, um, you know, two things, you know, first that the, uh, that the other side who had presented him on direct had gone into those issues. And I'm like, well, I should have the ability to ask, you know, I mean, typically you get the ability to cross on those issues, but furthermore, the judge had originally instituted a, um, a one-touch rule which meant cross-examination could even go beyond the direct examination um but you know she limited us on this now i i think also the judge at that point was kind of moving us along right. and was like well i already understand what's going on and, and i don't actually need to hear this um and i understand where you're going Miss nicholas but you know um i'm a rule against you because uh Let's move on. Okay, can um, I, and, and I ask you that.
1: this in retrospect? Wouldn't Trump have been smarter to just not compete? In, I mean, he, they competed against you in that second yeah. floor Denver district court. If they would have said, no, we're not going to hire lawyers, kind of defaulted, that would have put you in a tough spot, tougher spot than you are now since they competed and they lost.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, potentially. I mean, I, I don't know. I I think potentially they could have. Um, I mean, I want to go back to the Ken Buck. I I will say the one thing. We were pretty happy with the Ken Buck cross because Ken came out during my cross that one, he called it a mob. He didn't say, oh, these were people touring the uh, Capitol. You know, he called them a mob. And he testified that as a sitting member of Congress, he was removed from the chamber and they did have to delay the constitutional process. So effectively he became our witness at that point and he proved what we needed to prove. Yeah, did we get the most, you know, the most damning things that he said about the president? No, but did we get more than they got out of 10 bucks? Absolutely, they were just trying to get, use him to prove that the January 6th report was purely biased which I, I, we don't believe, we think Tim Haffey proved that. But even then, we didn't rely on that, on the January 6th report. It wasn't as though we brought it in wholesale. I think we wound up with a total of 39 findings that we introduced out of hundreds. So, um, anyone who's saying, Oh, well, we relied on that is just factually wrong. Um, I remember finding
1: 47 was cash Patel was full of shit. She made it more nice. (laughs) Right. But, uh, cash Patel was essentially sent there by Donald Trump to repeat his favorite lie that one, uh, he, he, he It was really the fault of Nancy Pelosi, who didn't honor his 10,000 troop request. And by the way, the January 6th commission knows all this Trump favorable evidence, but they're suppressing it. They're hiding it. They've done away with it. And those are his favorite lies. And that's what he dispatched Cash Patel to say in Denver district court.
2: Correct? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, he I mean, kept on making the 10,000. Argument, oh, well, this was ordered and this was done. And what he never accounted for was we had an expert witness in National Security who said, if that happened, this is the documentation you would see and it would always be there. And so the lack of that documentation would never happen. And then Team Hafey, who was the lead investigator for January 6th, said, We contacted the Department of Defense. They were very cooperative, they provided everything we asked for. No such documents were included. So, I mean, you basically had two witnesses who were very credible saying that Cash Patel was lying, and that's I think what the judge found as well. Um, I know you're on the uh, hey, he should be rung up for perjury thing, and who knows? I mean, I think there are a couple of folks who are talking about perjury for um, some other uh, yeah, people Alan, who yeah kind Alan of Weisberg,
1: Alan Weisberg is mm-hmm. in New York, and it's a prosecutor's pal, and Uh, Beth McCann told me she was considering it. I'm not that optimistic because you know the way it goes. It's hard to get perjury prosecuted out of a civil case, but this is not just an ordinary civil case. Speaking of odds, what are the odds? I've asked all my guests. You are the star. You're the man who's making American history. What are your odds? Are you going to win this week?
2: Yeah, we're going to win. Of course we're going to win. I got to say we're going to win. I will say this and 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 to the you know this is my absolute truly how i feel in my heart of hearts we have a much better chance of winning than most people believe most vendors are like oh try to find an alpha. or oh you know you know I, you know it's, it's nice that they brought this but no way it happens i i truly think we have a very good chance of winning if it is just on the law we're going to win um and that's for sure i mean it, it almost has to be the the Justices would basically have to cave to the pressure, and I have faith in the Supreme Court justices that they're going to look out and they're going to say, "Hey, look, um, this is an extraordinarily important case, and yes, there's a lot of people are going to be upset one way or the other, um, but our job is to interpret the law, and and when we go through our processes of doing that, particularly when we look at the language and we look at the history, it clearly cuts one way, and that's the way that." Um, that we have argued, oh, yeah. uh, we we just have the better of that. Yes. So, which which I mean, and I've talked to you about this before. Uh, it still shocks me to this day that the Colorado Supreme Court justices who wrote that opinion wrote it the way they did. If you are a regular, if you are a regular practitioner before the Colorado Supreme Court, the four justices who wrote that typically do not. They do not draft opinions based on originalism or textualism. They they usually look towards the intent. And what does the intent of the statute mean? And, and so are we trying to fill that out? Um, in this case, they absolutely wrote it in a way um, that is contrary to typically how they write it. And I think that was absolutely on purpose because they knew who they were writing it for at the U.S. Supreme Court. And it boxes those six justices who, you know, who regularly proclaim, we're just following the plain meaning, and we're using the original text, and we're using the history. Um, to make their arguments, I mean that's what they did in the Dobbs decision. If they follow the same, if they follow the same process that brought them to uh, overturning Roe v. Wade, because they say, "Hey, look, this is what the words say, and that's what it means," um, then in this case, they have to bar Donald Trump as well.
1: Gosh, it's so exciting! I'm getting nervous just thinking about Thursday morning. But you are going to be in the room where it happened. Do you have your credentials? Where are you going to sit? And I bet those seats are at a premium. How many times have you been asked by people other than me, can I get a ticket?
2: Oh, um, they're an extraordinary premium. Um, and yes, that is the way we've gotten asked many times. I will tell you, not, a, not, not our full team is even able to get in. Um, it's, it's pretty limited who is going to be able to get in. And we're scrambling um, the late, the late entrance of the secretary of state in this case to engage in oral argument, um, actually limited even further. Um, so we had to scramble after that. And we've got some folks who are going to try to get in through the, um, through the bar entrance because, you know, members of the Supreme Court bar can enter. Um, they've got separate seating. So some are going to try to do that. We've got other people waiting in line. I can tell you right now, uh, you know, it's, so your, your listeners know it's, it's Tuesday night. Um, there are already people at the U.S. Supreme Court waiting to get into this on Thursday morning.
1: Well, I heard heard one guy who's not going to show up is Donald Trump. Did you think that
2: he might? Oh, I thought he might. I hadn't heard that he is not. Yeah,
1: it was announced tonight. Of course, you never know with that guy, but that's what I heard tonight.
2: Uh, Well, you're breaking news to me. I had not heard that he won't show up. Um, You know, we assumed that we would hear if he was going to, but no, that surprises me a little bit, but okay.
1: Wow. Mario, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. It's a special Craig's Colorado Corner. I think special times call for a special podcast. That immunity ruling, I think they timed it out knowing that Colorado was coming on the eighth. Let's drop it on the sixth. It could be a great week for justice, don't
2: you think? Um, absolutely. Though I, I- <laughs> I don't think we'll get a ruling in our case this week. I, mean, I, I know, but we might, we might
1: get a hint or two, right, based on the questions. Yes. I mean, um, the, the, the good thing is, at least we're getting the show on the road. That's the key to our legal system. It grinds slowly, but it's got to grind, and there's right. nothing like an oral argument. I mean, they could rule within a couple of weeks or a couple months, or they could sit on it for a long time, right?
2: Well, I think that's true, but— you know, here's the thing. They took it up pretty fast, and they're well aware of when our primary is, which also coincides with the primaries of a lot of other states because it's Super Tuesday. And, you know, I, my, my gun sink. is no rule before then, so we have some certainty, and they, they understand that, and they need to do that, whether it's, you know, um, two weeks um, from now or whether it's three weeks from now they can make that ruling, and it would be out in time for people who are voting there. I, I I mean, I made this suggestion before for a couple of people. If you're voting the Republican primary, um, I would hold on to that ballot until until, uh, until either until there is a decision or until uh, March 5th, uh, because uh, unless, unless you're casting a ballot for someone else. Um, but if you were thinking about voting for Donald Trump, um, I'd hold on to that to, to make sure that your vote counted, because I, I will point out by Colorado law, if um If Donald Trump is found to be disqualified by the U.S. Supreme Court, by Colorado law, immediately um, it, it will kick in that none of the votes cast for him in the primary will be counted, regardless of whether he's on the ballot or not. His name is on the ballot.
1: Good advice. Good advice to Nikki Haley as well, although I think she perceives it. He shouldn't drop out now because there are so many things adding up against Donald Trump richly deserved but it takes guts to bring a case like this. Mario Nicholas, you are a friend of this podcast, and I'm proud to call you my friend and colleague. And good luck. I'm going to live vicariously through you, and so are a lot of people in Colorado on Thursday.
2: Well, first of all, thank you very much for uh, following us from the beginning. You're one of the very few people who's done that. That's important. Um, and I think that also shows the importance of people listening to your podcast because you raise these issues when other People have ignored it um, for months, um, and then second of all, for anyone who wants to listen, there is a uh, there is a link on the Supreme Court to listen to our arguments on that day.
1: Well, you know, all the cables are going to carry it live, probably with pictures of you. You should supply them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway, get, pro- yeah, will probably be Norma,
1: right from the Washington Post, and Krista. She got two pictures in there.
2: Holy, where was your picture? <laughs> Uh, Norman and uh, Chris are
1: prettier than me. I don't know about that, Mario. You are American history, my friend. Get a good night's sleep and have fun in DC. I'll
2: talk to you soon. Okay, bye, Greg.
1: bye, Mario. Craig's Colorado Corner is made possible by the sponsorship of Michael Bailey Law Offices. Michael Bailey is my lawyer. He's the best estate planning lawyer. He can come to you or you can go to one of his several Metro Denver offices. The number to call, 720-797-8988, 720-797-8988. He will get the job done. He also wants to support a show like this. Thank you, Michael Bailey. If you want to be a sponsor, let me know. I'm easy to find. I'm Craig at craigscoloradolaw.com. Craig at Craig's Colorado dot com. It's not easy putting on a podcast. Let me have you on, Alan Malk. Tell me what you yeah. thought of the immunity ruling.
3: Um, I am thrilled to death. I have not had a chance to read the 57-page opinion, however. It must be well reasoned, and it was a per curiam, interesting but not surprising opinion. And um, why do you
1: say it's not surprising that it was per curiam?
3: Well, it was all—all all three judges did it. They didn't sign off on it. They all did it, you know. And it was a sort of an anonymous. There was no single Absolutely. judge who, right. who issued the opinion. Because
1: in Trump times, you have to worry about being singled single
3: right? Exactly. Exactly, Craig. Exactly.
1: So un- unanimity and anonymity, to an extent, yeah. we all know who the three ladies were. I mean, right. it's great right. female judges. They're yeah. helping to save America. And the way they threw down the mandate, so to speak, saying, look, we'll give you a delay until February 12th. Yep. And uh, if you want to ask for in-bank, then we're going to send it back to Judge Chetkin and get this show on the road. That's what it's all about, right? Get it on the road.
3: Yep. You know what, Craig? I, I don't know about you, but I think there's an overarching thing going on here. I.e. I think the judges, regardless of sort of their um, political preference, if you will, are are looking at Trump as like, this guy has the capability the capacity and the will to destroy democracy in this country destroy the republic after only 260 years or something and they're going we we just cannot allow it i don't care what political party you are and god willing i hope the fucking supreme court those two fucking ass the three assholes who were appointed by him see it the same way
1: right and maybe they will i worry about alito and thomas you just give up on them the conservatives who have been apparently bought up and corrupted and maybe believe in q anon i don't know but it's not good
3: no no
1: Anyway, it's what about nice. the insurrection case going before them on Thursday morning? Are you going to listen to it? It's exciting. Yep. Yeah, what no what are the odds in Vegas? What do you think? Man, uh,
3: <laughs> I love it that you're referencing the odds in Vegas. That's where everything happens, right? That's meaningful in this world. Um Uh, it kind kind of goes to your
1: off-ramp theory, right? I mean, it's good off-ramp for them.
3: Yes, yes. I think it's 50-50.
1: Wow, that's good. What do you think? 35% chance. I think we're, uh, Colorado, it's about a seven and a half point underdog.
3: But isn't
1: that when we beat Green Bay in the Super Bowl? Something like that. It can happen for sure.
3: Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to revise mine to 40% chance. I think more positively than you did, only because I want to. I want to believe.
1: I believe you are one of the most experienced attorneys in Colorado. And you know I recorded this, and
3: you are going to be on my podcast for the first time. (laughs) Give me your permission right now. I'll give you my permission. You're a funny guy, you know that? No, you're the funny guy. And I love playing golf with
1: you and going to dinner with you and reacquainting after we knew each other at GW. Oh, my gosh, so long ago. But you are my superior. You're older than me. You don't hang out with underclassmen. I appreciate you coming down to my level.
3: You're what we say. Well, you know in Yiddish, you're mishug. You may be... uh, uh, uh two years behind me in high school, but given that you were 6'5", I I did and continue to always look up to you, intellectually and otherwise.
1: Well, it's great to have you on my podcast for the first time. And did you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm yet?
3: Not yet, but I will.
1: He says to a maid, I'm not going to ruin it. It had so many okay. storylines. He called her a physicianist. What does that mean exactly? That's somebody who's always kind of curmudgeonly or perpetually irritated. It's a Yiddish word, and he uses it, but it's really applicable to him. I recommend the episode highly. I'm going to call you back up the air, Alan Malker, okay. way to get this going. And we appreciate right. your commentary on the great issues of the day. That's the great Alan Mulk. Thanks, Alan. Bye, Craig. Goodbye. Hi there. Hi, Leora. Thanks for being on my special podcast. Can't wait to do the full episode with you this coming uh, weekend. It's going to be Leora Joseph wants to be Denver DA, but the topic right now on my special Wednesday morning preview of the insurrection case, we have a second topic, which is the beautiful occurrence from my perspective, that three D.C. Circuit Court judges issued an opinion saying, no, citizen Trump, you are not above the law. I think it's a great day. What do you say, Leora
4: Joseph? Today is a great day for justice, and it's a day we have to celebrate. I think it's so important to acknowledge that the ruling here ultimately says no one is above the law, and that is a key component of our justice system. No one is above the law. When people think that different justice systems apply to different judges— That to different people, that's when we run into problems because it means the justice system doesn't work for everyone. And it means that we aren't all equal under the law. What one of the things I find amazing about this, Craig, is that Trump himself isn't arguing that he didn't do it. He's just saying, you can't prosecute me. He's not saying I'm innocent. He's saying you just can't prosecute me because I'm a former president. And this really is a day that restores faith in the justice system and celebrates the rule of law. And I'm really happy today.
1: Well, Leora is the director of the Office of Civil and Forensic Mental Health for the state of Colorado. She's been a prosecutor with big jobs in Colorado, outside of Colorado. She's very well respected. And You talked about different judges. Now the U.S. Supreme Court is going to weigh in. And I'm worried about a judge who kind of seems to be above the law, Clarence Thomas, his wife, Jenny, so involved in the insurrection. Anyway, I'm just worried about the U.S. Supreme Court. Do you think this immunity ruling will
4: hold? And what do you think the U.S. Supreme Court might do? Look... I'm worried about the U.S. Supreme Court. And in all my years of being a lawyer, I never thought I would say that. We've been taught from law school on, and you know this, to revere the U.S. Supreme Court. But now we have a situation where we have nine justices, two of whom have been accused of sexual harassment slash assault. So what are we already dealing with here? What kind of corruption are we dealing with here? And how are they given the right to make so many decisions, people who really have become politicized? And it's very, very concerning Supreme Court. So I am worried, but I do think we have to celebrate. And I'm proud of Colorado. I think we have to come back to the work that's being done here in Colorado to Talk about justice, to talk about being above the law, and to talk about the fact that if you are an insurrectionist, we're going to follow the law and you cannot be president. Beautiful transition. That's the other topic
1: on this special edition. It's a preview show for Thursday morning. I can't wait. I've never anticipated an oral argument quite like this. And I think it's going to be wall to wall on the networks, television, radio. It's a big one. It's a big one.
4: And I'm excited for it. I think Colorado has really led the way and that's exciting as well.
1: Yes, and Colorado has led the way with cameras in the courtroom. We've been able to watch the oral argument. The whole trial in Denver District Court in front of Judge uh, Sarah Wallace was televised. You can still watch it on C-SPAN and you can watch the oral argument it's kind of a shame that we don't get to watch uh US Supreme Court activities. Don't you think Colorado's procedures are better and uh if you are Denver DA will you favor expanded media coverage under most circumstances?
4: I I really believe in transparency. I want us to always be able to be mindful of sensitive victims and I think we have to be careful about that. In my experience, the media has always been respectful of protecting victims. And so we just have to be careful of that piece. But one of the things that's so important, we are faced with a crisis in people believing in the justice system. And one of the ways we fix that is by giving people access to the justice system. And so having cameras in courtroom, filming what's going on, making people realize that they can, you know, that they are allowed to watch what's happening. I uh, taught at UC Denver, a great group of kids for a couple of years, a criminal justice class, and I made them all go to watch trials. And one of the things they didn't understand is that you're allowed, anyone is allowed to walk into a courtroom because justice belongs to the people. And that is why I'm running. I'm running to support the people. And that is where justice lives. It lives with the people. Oh boy, that's a good
1: preview of our show on Saturday. I'll be calling you back to get more detail about all of that. Leora, thanks for your time today. How do you handicap Colorado's chances? The chances that the Colorado Supreme Court will be upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court and Donald Trump
4: will effectively be thrown off the ballot? Listen, I'm not much of a better. I don't, I don't, I'm not a betting person. I believe even despite my concerns, I believe that justice will, will reign and I believe in justice. And so uh, I'm going to say that Colorado will win at the U S Supreme court. I hope.
1: I like that positivity. And, (laughs) uh, I'm rooting for Colorado. It's kind of cool that Colorado leads the way. Don't you think? I was honored to have Judge gone, and he sort of saved America from Colorado. I think a lot of what happens in Colorado, and Denver in particular, it filters down to the rest of the
4: country, right? Listen, Colorado is an incredible place, and the people of Denver are part of that open-minded, willing to be different, look at things differently. That's how we make change. And this is an example of Colorado leading the way to change. Colorado standing up for principles of law. Colorado understanding what justice is and taking it to the next step.
1: Leora, can't wait till your interview later this week. Thanks for being part of this special.
4: Thank you, Craig. Have a great day. You too.
1: He's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning and lots of lawyers are doing it now. And boy, are your clients happy and satisfied. It's convenient for the client.
0: It certainly is fun to be able to go visit people where they are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out.
1: What's the website, Michael?
0: It is mobileestateplanning.com.
1: What's the best phone number to call?
0: 720-394-6887 is my direct line.
1: Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him, I do too. Thanks, Michael.
0: You're welcome, Craig.
1: Uh
5: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, Ed. Hey, Craigie boy.
1: Describe to my audience your environment right now. Where are you? At the top of Steamboat Mountain. What's your elevation?
5: (laughs) I'm about uh, 8,600 feet right here, maybe 9,600, 96. I'm just at (laughs) mid-mountain.
1: I think that's fantastic. That's the spoils of a wonderful career as a lawyer. You should be enjoying it and active. Are you going down black slopes, blue slopes, or like me? I go down green slopes.
5: Some of each. I like a few moguls, and I like a few groomers, and I like to try to continually get better.
1: All right, I like that immunity ruling out of the D.C. court. Better late than never. And it was a beauty. I think they tried to trap Trump in. What are your thoughts, Ed Barad?
5: I haven't read it. I do intend to do as much reading on it as I can. I am thankful, so so thankful that it is unanimous. And uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it was taking him so much time, but I guess maybe... They wanted to get it right. I hope someday we understand that. Uh, But it's a thankful day for America and for democracy. Yes, a big, important day.
1: They have to thread the needle. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court can say, we'd like to hear this, or they can say, no, that's fine. Leave it alone. And that would send it back to Judge Chutkin, which I think is really vital for the country, right, to have a fair trial that everybody can observe. It's a shame there aren't cameras in the courtroom, but at least we will have a fair process. It's really vital for democracy, don't you think, Ed?
5: I do. I think there's got to be as much transparency as possible. I wish we could see what goes on when some of these lawyers play their hand in front of judges. I think it's shameful. And uh, on this issue, I hope the Supreme Court Because the Supreme Court is in the worst position it's been in lifetimes, mine and those before me, I think that they may know that they can just not hear it and do very well with their credibility and uh, people's uh, thinking about them being legitimate courts. So I'm hopeful that they don't take it up.
1: Okay, it's a great day on Tuesday, but what's going to happen on Thursday? Are you going to be skiing Thursday morning or glued to the oral argument in Trump be Anderson?
5: I'm going to listen. Yes, I'm definitely going to listen. Uh, and I think it's eight o'clock Mountain Time. Um, it is. I, I think that I, I just, I mean, I follow Judge Ludic on this and all the historians that Put briefs in to say that Trump is an officer. The evidence is clear. If you want to play your phony originalism and textualism with us, read it, and then play your historyism with us. Read our brief and really understand what happened then. And I think that he should be denied. It'd be good for America, so that doesn't happen again.
1: God bless Judge Ludig, who is my guest on episode 189 from his home in Bale. That's where Trust he lives me. now. He's like you, a mountain man.
5: No kidding. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you guys are friends. And I heard everything he said about you. And uh, it was just a phenomenal tribute from uh, one of the few courageous conservatives in the entire country. That's what's hard to believe. That's the depressing part of this nobody goes on their own here. If there were the thought leaders, the persuasive leaders, the people who we we have elected doing the honest thing, we would have not had Trump years ago. So here we are. They're all playing for power at our expense.
1: Right. But they have to see they're in the crosshairs of Trump eventually, right? The U.S. Supreme Court? Isn't Colorado their off-ramp? And what about the argument that Hey, you better not do it, or there will be bedlam and trouble. And Donald Trump saying there's a hundred percent chance of a terror event. What do you do with that kind of threat making?
5: The, those threats were out there before he was indicted for Mar-a-Lago. I think we have to face the music. Let these fascists come after us. Follow the law. Don't be afraid of the law. I'm, don't do anything with that except follow the law. That's what. I want to do. That's what they should do.
1: That's why it's a great day. They call them Citizen Trump in the immunity ruling that you will read when you get down from the mountain. But your commentary <laughs> has been superb. Tell us, tell us the view from where you are right now. What are what are you looking at? Is it a Bluebird Day?
5: Bluebird Day. It was cloudy this morning. It was windy on top, but it happened to blow all the clouds away and uh, snow is great. We've had really good snow and steamboat, Um, and uh, the vistas are clear. So from from up here, it's exhilarating. That's why I'm up here.
1: I'm exhilarated by this immunity ruling, and maybe we can see our way clear of fascism, as you put it, and I agree, Ed Barad. Thanks so much for taking time out of your ski day on this special edition.
5: Thanks, Craig. You're the best.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello. Hey, Professor Al Schuller. St- Hi, Craig. It's your student, Craig.
6: Yes. My very successful and engaging student, Craig Silverman. Yes. Oh, that's
1: so nice of you to say. It's a great day in jurisprudence. Wouldn't you agree?
6: Yep. yep.
1: Tell us about Hooray. Hooray. that. Immun-
6: yes. Well, I think I—I I mean, it was—it couldn't have been a very serious um, argument. Nobody has thought that the president would be immune a- even after he left office for crimes that he committed while in office, as they, as the court said at oral argument. Um, you know, what if he, on the last day he's in office, and can't be impeached? He orders the uh, navy to assassinate somebody. Um, I mean, obviously, he has to be subject to prosecution. So, it was not the the the, the slightly surprising thing about the case was that the court is not going to let uh, Trump delay as much as he apparently thought he could. He could. Um, it departed from normal procedure by saying it was going to issue its mandate in a week, unless the Supreme Court stayed the issuance of that mandate. In the meantime. Um, So, or at least unless the motion was filed to stay the mandate uh, in in the meantime. So maybe this prosecution is going to get back on track.
1: Well, we know that Trump will pull out all the stops, but they have to make a decision now, right? And it seems their move is to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Do you think that's what will happen next? And how will our nation's highest court react?
6: Well, I think that they will... uh, uh, request a, uh, a stay from the Supreme Court. Um, and I don't know how the court will react. I think that, I mean, on the, on the merits, I have no doubt that the uh, Supreme Court would not say that the president is absolutely immune uh, for crimes that he commits while in office. Uh, but they might, I mean, you know, you remember they they refused to uh, grant cert before judgment in the D.C. Circuit. They refused to speed up the case uh, once, insisting on sort of normal procedures. And they might do the same again. We, You know, we don't think this case merits any special procedure. So, uh, and usually somebody has all this time to do this, that, and the other thing. So we're going to stay this uh, mandate and give Trump a lot of time. But I don't think they'll do that. I think that they, they, there will be a motion for a uh, stay in the Supreme Court, and it will be denied. Wow. And as I say, that'll put the case back on track.
1: And then we come to uh, Thursday. I'm so excited. What about you? Are you ready for that oral argument on the Colorado Supreme Court ruling? And before we leave the immunity ruling, don't you think they took some clues from the Colorado Supreme Court, not only with the way they yeah. uh, said the mandate will issue unless you do this by then, and they made it a fast timetable, but also the per curiam aspect. And uh, everybody's sort of anonymous. We know who they are, but no single author. Isn't that a sign of the times?
6: Well, I, I, yes. I mean, both the Colorado Supreme Court uh, decision and the D.C. Circuit decision were per curiam. With, uh, showing that they were acting together, and uh, that's—I think—that's encouraging. I mean, it's—it's it's, uh, treating this argument with the uh, uh, discredit it deserves.
1: I agree. It just took a while. We lost a month. Do you think they can get the trial going, Jack Smith, in front of Judge Chutkin, USA versus Trump?
6: Uh, yes, I, I think I think there's a, a very good chance of that. Yes, beautiful. But there will not be not be a lot of delay in the Supreme Court.
1: And then we know Judge Chutkan is all business, but they will find every way to try to delay. But the thing they can't delay is the oral argument coming on Thursday. How do you uh, handicap it? What do you anticipate?
6: Well, uh, I mean, I think most people think that the court does not want to uh, exclude Trump from the the ballot. I mean he is the uh, virtu- the virtual nominee of the republican party he's uh, He's won all the primaries so far he's uh, He's polling better than uh, the incumbent at the moment to say that he uh, that he can't be on the ballot is something that probably the Supreme Court would really like to avoid doing at the same time. Uh, it probably wants to avoid saying, "Hey, we don't think he had that, that." January sixth was an insurrection, and we, or we don't think he uh, he aided the the insurrection. So they probably, you know, the the, the thinking of most people, I think, is that uh, um, they will look for some out one of these gimmicky things about how, oh, maybe the president is an off, isn't an officer of the United States, or maybe. Uh, Congress has to uh, uh, come up with some uh, procedure for implementing uh, the uh, constitutional provision because it's not so Unlike almost all other self other constitutional provisions, it's not self-executing. So, you know, the, I think the thinking is they'll come up with some gimmick like that to avoid either throwing Trump off the ballot or um, um, uh, uh, holding that he had nothing to do with January sixth. Uh, but there is a chance. I mean, I think the Constitution is really pretty clear, and these are judges who have made a big point of being originalists and textualists and following the Constitution, and judges shouldn't be thinking about politics at all. They should apply the law without fear and favor. So uh, maybe they'll do what the Constitution tells them to do, kick the guy off off the ballot.
1: As attorneys, we like to think that we can persuade judges, and the guy who's doing the arguing for Trump is Jonathan Mitchell, who's got a connection to the University of Chicago, where you went on to after being at CU Law, Texas before that. And I think you know Jonathan Mitchell, and uh, before I turn it over to you, he was a clerk for my episode 189 guest, the Honorable J. Michael Ludig. And then he also clerked for Scalia. And I had the temerity to ask Judge Ludig, what would Scalia do? And he said he would affirm Colorado. So I turn it over to you. What do you know about this Jonathan Mitchell and uh, what he's going to argue and why he says what he does? Is it for money?
6: No, I don't think so. He's, a, I mean, he's been a a very conservative member of the Federalist Society for a very long time he was a student of mine he had a couple of classes. He was a fine student and a very very pleasant uh, fellow to be around. I think I think I would count him as a personal friend, but um, you know he's the guy who wrote the the uh, Texas law that Said no abortions after six weeks, or after after the fetus has a heartbeat, and uh, you can enforce this by bringing a private anybody can bring a right. private lawsuit to uh, any against anybody who's had an abortion and recover ten thousand dollars. It's, I mean, it's a it was uh, you know it was it's been successful so far. since so with with challenge, but what an awful awful thing that law was, and I mean that, that is. I mean that is Jonathan. He was, uh, you know, Solicitor General of of uh, Texas, and uh, he's a very, very conservative, pro magna uh, kind of guy.
1: And hey, could you identify that early on in your classes because it does kind of break down. Yeah, I mean,
6: I knew, I knew he. I knew he was very conservative. I knew a lot of my students were members of the Federalist Society. Some of them are are now prominent Never Trumpers. Uh, others. Uh, are are uh, like like Jonathan uh, sticking with the the far right?
1: And have you figured out the common denominator there?
6: Well, I you know the, you understand what the the federal the Federal Society was basically a law school organization initially, um, and uh, uh, it attracted a lot of uh, very conservative students. There were a lot of them at the University of Chicago because. That was the center of law and economics, and that had a kind of a conservative bent. Um, right, but you mentioned and-
1: that some of them have broken away. And Judge Ludig, who's a conservative icon, he's broken from those roots, although he told me that he's never been a member of the Federalist Society. Kind of an odd fact there, but uh, he told that to me. I'm just wondering, I think a lot of people are out there, what separates the you know the lawyers and the humans who go for what seems to be fascism. In my book, it's it startling to me that a, a Chicago law school trained person would do that. What What motivates these people? I'm trying to figure it out. Is it religious? Is it a cult, or what?
6: Uh, I I am pretty sure that uh, Jonathan is is a born-again Christian, but I don't really know that for, I mean, I just have, I, I don't know why, I, I don't know exactly why I think that. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, you know, Liz Cheney, who's, uh, who's been a, a heroine, uh, very conservative uh, uh, student of mine, um, who uh, uh, is committed to the rule of law, right. and has... Uh, Uh, been, you know, a profile in courage has been uh, has been just uh, uh, terrific in the current crisis.
1: And shouldn't we expect that of attorneys to stand up for the rule of law, which is clearly under threat? I admire Liz Cheney. And it just seems that lawyers have a special responsibility right now.
6: I agree with that. Yes, lawyers certainly have a a special responsibility uh, to uh, uh, adhere to the rule of law and I am uh, I'm sure that Jonathan Mitchell uh, is, is sincerely believes that that's what he's doing I'm not going to uh, accuse him of bad faith at all uh, but uh, it is I am sort of surprised I mean it's and, and the argument that he's making uh, this week to the Supreme Court is at least a credible argument not I mean I don't think it's convincing or, or persuasive uh, but, I mean, some of the you know what is an insurrection is is not entirely clear. Uh, the Colorado Supreme Court uh, decided that uh, Trump's speech on January 6 was not uh, constitutionally protected. That that proposition is not entirely clear. I mean, I think that I think that all of of uh, the arguments in Trump's favor are losers and. But but they're respectable. They're certainly respectable arguments for a lawyer to present.
1: I know. I want to say they're all losers. Like, holy cow, he's not an officer. But that's what Denver District Court Judge Sarah Wallace said. And I have a case in front of her, so I don't want to disagree. There are lots of off-ramps. But I got a kick out of you, my good professor, when I texted you, what are the odds you said 12%, which I thought was very precise. Maybe it's changed with this immunity ruling. How do you come to your conclusion to prognosticate what's going to happen on the Colorado case, Trumpy Anderson?
6: Well, I think that there is, as I said, some chance that the uh, originalists on the Supreme Court may be as good as their word and may simply follow the, what the Constitution, I think, pretty clearly. Uh, tells them to do I mean you can say gee whiz it's it's uh uh undemocratic to keep uh, the leading can candid- to kick the leading candidate uh out of the election uh and that is that is certainly going to be of concern to the court, but that's what the law says um and these guys are people who make a big point of we don't balance interests, we just follow the law. Um, we're just umpires. We call it. We're calling balls and strikes. And if they if they are as good as their word, uh, they will affirm the Colorado Supreme Court.
1: What about that warning of bedlam? Bedlam will result if you throw them off the ballot.
6: I think that you know the the, MAGA people will be extremely disappointed and will say that it's illegitimate, and we know that some of them can be violent. Um, But, you know, if if Trump loses the election uh, again, they they may say, oh, if the election was stolen, uh, we're going to be violent. That's what they did the last time. I don't know that uh, that, uh, resolving the case as the Constitution requires would uh, produce any greater reaction than a loss at the polls.
1: No it's it's the way mob bosses work. They warn you of it. You don't want a problem here, maybe you should pay it every month. you know you give into right. that sort of thing, but were you just joking around when you text, texted me twelve percent i was
6: i was yeah i don't really I cannot really put that number on it. I do think that there is i do if I were a betting person, I would uh. I would say that I think that, uh, my former student, Jonathan Mitchell, will win on behalf of Mr. Trump, uh, probably on one of the, uh, gimmicky little things, you know, that the president is not an officer of, of a civil officer of the United States or, uh, or there needs to be some congressional, uh, action before the lawsuit can be brought, probably one of those one of those grounds, uh, but I think that there is a, a, at least a substantial chance uh, that the the court will uh, affirm the Colorado Supreme Court.
1: Now, how does it feel when you're listening on Thursday morning and there's your student, Jonathan Mitchell arguing for something that you really don't personally approve of, but will you take some pride that, hey, I trained
3: this guy?
6: Well, I, uh, I mean, as I say, I, I I like Jonathan. I think he's a, a, f- a friend of mine. He was certainly a, a good student, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm sure he will give a creditable argument, and I will be uh, proud of him. I mean, you know, you're, you're a lawyer, Greg. We we put up with, uh, we remain friends with people who are are dead wrong frequently.
1: Yes, although that gets trained in maga times, something about fascism and what it leads to is just repulsive to me. So, in my limited time left on Earth, I don't really like hanging out with maga people that much. But I understand well, I, what you're saying.
6: But, but I mean, these are as I as I said, all of the arguments that that uh, are being made on behalf of Trump, or at least at least most of them, are. Are at least credible, respectable arguments, not uh, not you know cr- as crazy as say this uh, immunity claim that just lost today.
1: Well, I'd like to see a case coming out of my Denver District Court help decide things. And to quote a Jim Carrey movie, not Liar Liar, which was about attorneys, but I think it was Dumb and Dumber, and at least they weren't attorneys. So you're saying there's a chance? There's a chance that the Colorado Supreme Court will be affirmed?
6: Yes, I think so. Well, that would, and, and it could be, it could, you know, it could be, it could be even, it, it would, be, perhaps it could be unanimous. Who knows?
1: No, I mean, if, put, if
6: I think, I think there's a possibility of that.
1: Wouldn't that be um, wonderful? I mean, that that would I mean, really you know, tap down clarites, on the bedlam. Yeah.
6: Tap I mean, down Thomas it. says says he just uh, follows the law. Uh, uh, Gorsuch certainly, you know, is a is a literalist who uh, you know says this is what the text says. Let's do it.
3: Um, you so, know,
1: I, you, I, know, I, you know, what you have in common with Neil Gorsuch is you both taught at CU Law School. He taught there while he was on the bench too.
6: Yeah, and we uh, and I think I think both of us love it. You know, You both love
1: Colorado, yes, absolutely. Well, we love having you on the show. Thanks a lot for spending part of your day with us, because okay, I really respect your opinion, and so does my audience.
6: Okay, who else are you talking to today?
1: Well, I've got a prospective Denver DA. I've got uh, who's in the cabinet of Jared Polis. I have mm-hmm. Ed Barad, who is a partner at Brownstein. I've got uh, I've got about eight people, but all from different backgrounds. Right. And uh, you are my academic. You are my academic. Right. It'll be a fun show. I'll text it to you first thing in the morning. Okay,
6: great, great. All right, Good to talk to you. Great
1: to talk to you. All right, take care. Bye bye. Let's root for the rule of law. Bye bye. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, Craig. Hey, Richard Cotty. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How are you doing? Good. I am so glad you are able to speak with us on this historic
7: day. Oh, to find out that our incorporetic, probably aneretic b- buffoon might have to face up like everybody else does. And he's not king of the mountain. He doesn't have any u- immunity.
1: Isn't that great? No immunity. And there's a lot of those kind of words. We've got unanimity on no immunity. And by doing it per curium, they've got anonymity.
7: It's a unanimous opinion. Two judges appointed by it was at Biden and won by George H.W. Bush, an Air Force man from the military. The Trump Colonel Bonespurs is uh, too chicken shit and too much of a uh, poltroon to even participate in.
1: I thought it was Corporal
7: Bonespurs. But what do I know? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I didn't mean to promote the guy from a buck private. Talk about. That's OK, talk can you imagine about- judiciary him flouting the judiciary here? Judge mates or any judges here would say, son, better bring your rubber panties and bring your toothbrush. We're going to have a discussion on judicial uh, decorum and dignity. But this clown thinks he can tear down the judiciary. That's why Lindsey Graham got a three-page open letter from Bordire magazine saying, what do you think you are?
1: Oh, tell anyway, me about that. no, that's all right. Is that a military thing? I mean, no, no. I know Lindsey Graham was military uh He's an attorney. I know, but and he was uh, he was an attorney in the military. What do you call him? Jag or whatever?
7: Oh, Judge Adjutant, judge Adjutant Court. But he's a member of the bar. And as a member of the bar, he said he's threatening the judge in New York. Like who is this clown think he is threatening judiciary? I know he's it. a senator and a member of the bar. No wow. shame, no decorum, no dignity.
1: Yeah, when you so it's have an open,
7: when it's you have, an open letter. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I mean, Trump puts
1: baseball bat to the head of Alvin Bragg in a picture, but tell me about this
7: letter. Well, it's from Bordire Magazine from the American Board of Trial Advocates. And I was the president of our Colorado chapter last year. In it, a man named Dugan from the Bar of Massachusetts takes Lindsey Graham to task and calls it an open letter. It's however of a how dare you. How dare you try to demean and crush our independent judiciary in favor of some political hack just because you want to support him? We know he's got his lips around the Trump exhaust pipe, but you can't demean our judiciary just because you favor this buffoon who can hardly conjugate a verb.
1: Wow, you put a lot of that together, and the imagery is kind of boggling my mind. But the thing that I've been decrying since we're ranting right now (laughs) it's the way these sons of bitches say any verdict out of a big city, forget about it. There's no justice there, not in New York, not in L.A., and of course not in Denver, Colorado. We're not just going to take this, are we, Rich?
7: Well, let's hope not, because Trump disqualified himself by 14th Amendment Section 3 by running an insurrectionist, which is an uprising that he's encouraging, providing aid and comfort and now he wants to be rehired from the very job he got fired from holding. The audacity and gall can never be underestimated from this loser.
1: Right. And they said that Barack Obama had audacity, although I guess he said he had it in his book, Audacity of Hope. But I was audacious enough to have Judge Ludig on my episode 189. And he's called this the quintessential insurrection when you don't turn over power, of the presidency peacefully. That's what he did. And I believe in that 57 pages out of the DC Circuit, they made that finding. Surely you can't be immune for something like that. And it may carry over to this Thursday case. You already started the beautiful segue in this, our two-topic special edition of Craig's Colorado Corner. We've talked about immunity Are you excited about this Thursday? What's going to happen when the Colorado case, Trumpy Anderson gets argued before the U.S. Supreme Court?
7: He's got his block on the Supreme Court. That's why he had these toadies appointed. That's why he's got them up there. They're going to be scarecrows like Clarence Thomas. And I don't mean anything by that. But they're simply going to be chirping along to follow the Trump party line. They're not going to take this man off the ballot box. Once again, we're going to have to exercise our electoral franchise and scrape him off, just like we did last time.
1: Don't you think that these guys, let's let's focus on Neil Gorsuch, since he had us in the Tenth Circuit. I don't know if you ever met the man. I really didn't, but I know people who know him well. Can he be smart enough to say, hey, this guy Trump is trouble, no matter if you're conservative or liberal, he's, the Yiddish word is mashugana? So we have an off-ramp here, and it looks like these words really fit. And we can say that we heard Judge Ludig tell Craig Silverman that Judge Scalia would throw him off the ballot. And if it was good enough for Scalia through Ludig, well, there you go.
7: Well, you've got the Alito bench, and you've got Gorsuch, and you've got Barrett. You've got Kavanaugh. You've got some lesser lights on there, you know, along the ilk of alien Cannon. That's who's going to be another one of our, you know, jurists taking part of this. Well, She's on a
1: lower court, thank God, for now. But I get your drift. Some of them are gone, but all you need is five, right?
7: You do, but I would not be optimistic about it. I'd consider it a 5-4 victory for Trump when they say, oh, no, you can't be booted off the ballot. They'll find some technicality. They'll split hairs. They'll redefine insurrection for us. And it's going to take a constitutional amendment, but frankly, we're just going to have to broom that fraud off the ballots when it comes to our chance. He already had his day in court here. They ignore that. He had his day in court. The judicial process works. Now, if we could only enforce the judicial process, this is no different than they had in the Reconstruction era. This was tailor-made for Trump. This is exactly why they wrote the 14th Amendment, to prevent mount banks like this fraud, from assaulting our democracy and undermining what we've got. We can only cross our you know, fingers and hope for the best.
1: I'm proud of the Colorado Supreme Court for calling it uh, the exact strike over the middle of the plate that it is. Hey, we've got Article 3, 14th Amendment. Steve Reich. It fits you, Donald Trump. Wear it.
7: We've got very brave jurists here. These are people that put their lives on the line so they can take on this bully boy, this would-be dictator, this tin-horn, tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy nut who can't hold a steady thought, much less articulate a clear thought, any coherency whatsoever, because he's so distracted, given his mentation and his ongoing senility, and people are supposed to vote for this man? This is a shock, but regarding the judicial decisions, guardedly optimistic, Craig godly optimistic. And I hope we have five people that qualify as mensch to deliver our democracy back to us.
1: Have you ever seen a threat to the rule of law like this? Isn't it time for the U.S. Supreme Court to vindicate itself?
7: Yes, sir, it is. And the only time we've seen it last time would be in Germany. And we're going to need someone of the likes of Spencer Tracy to take on the likes of a Bert Lancaster, these Judgment of Nuremberg, to call these traders for what they are. They're traders to democracy and we can't let them get away with it.
1: I nominate Rich Cotty for the job. You've got the passion and the zeal. How come you're so outspoken about this, Rich Cotty? Didn't you do
7: insurance defense work for a lot of your life? Well, I did it for some 20 years and I also devoted some 20, almost 20 years to helping policyholders and consumers. I know you
1: did, but I I think all lawyers have a special obligation right now. I mean, it's not the rule of medicine under threat. It's the rule of law.
7: And it's a unified bar because that's what a BOTA is. It's an invitation-only group of lawyers from the consumer bar and the insurance defense bar promoting civil trials because we believe that a trial is the purest form of democracy, as Thomas Jefferson instructed. And he
1: was pretty smart. So are you, Rich Cotty. Thanks a lot for being part of this special.
7: I'm glad to help out, Craig, and I apologize if I uh, ranted. It was beautiful,
1: my friend. Have a good (laughs) evening. Celebrate the rule of law. Bye-bye. Good night. Gosh, this is exciting. He's our foreign correspondent. You know him. You love him. He served with Ukrainian Armed Forces. I think it's called the Armed Forces of Ukraine. He's an American. He's back in Colorado. And he's a guy who's put his ass on the line for freedom. He's a regular on our Colorado Homefront special. But this is Craig's Colorado Corner, where we get a panel of people, this time almost all lawyers. But John Jackson has put his ass on the line for freedom. And I submit that the court ruling in the District of Columbia saying, no, Donald Trump, you don't have immunity. You are not President Trump. You are a citizen Trump, and you are not above the law. I think that's a great day for Ukraine. But let's ask John Jackson. Thanks for doing this show.
8: Right, great. Thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate uh, that we can uh, discuss Ukraine and um, its, its continuing struggle against the uh, genocidal russian invasion and occupation uh, you know and, and i do think that that is a, a good day for ukraine i you know there's so many unprincipled politicians that are looking at donald trump and how he's and following incredibly f- following his lead and his direction and not the voters and not what's best for the country on this so-called emergency of the bo- on the border um, and every time he's diminished in any way um, whether it's you know he loses this appeal about the absolute immunity um, which ha- just the delay alone had been kind of breaking in his favor um, you know and in, in rescheduling his trial uh, but the less influence he loses bit by bit by bit in um, today's is a good day for that and um, he's he's even teetering right now on losing influence and so um, because it's not like we have politicians that are on the right on the GOP in the GOP who are principled enough they're going to blow whichever way they think the winds are going to blow and benefit them. Um, So, yeah, I I was very happy to see that today. And it's a very thorough opinion. And and, and so I'm hopeful maybe the Supreme Court won't even take it because why, why deal with that radioactive hot potato if you don't have to?
1: When you talk about unprincipled politicians, I assume you mean Cruz, Rubio, Lindsey Graham, those sorts of people. But it's also around the world. Am I right, John? I mean, politicians like Orban and autocrats, Putin—they're all watching how the courts treat what Donald Trump and how he will fire back.
8: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, Russia has been influencing politicians. They've, you know, um, I, you know, I think you know uh, Schultz in Germany is himself a good, but you know, we've seen major, major Hyatt people in the German government who have been arrested for espionage recently. Um, you know, Russia is very keen to to penetrate. Um, all the higher levels of government of all the NATO countries. And, you know, they've apparently done that with the GOP. I, I, I'm at a point now where I, with the GOP, that I used to just say MAGA GOP or, you know, just the House GOP. I mean, to me, unless it's shown otherwise, like by someone like Langford right now, you know, like trying to, to actually get it's GOP just means MAGA to me now because they're so beholden to Donald Trump. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, you know, it, it, Russia is playing a, a different game, a different war when it comes to influencing people. Um, and we have got to really, you know, get on board with with how serious this, this issue is and how pervasive it is.
1: And do they follow court results in Ukraine? I mean, do does the government uh, look at this and realize that if Trump becomes president, they're
8: screwed? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think um, they put on a good face and they're professional about it. But um, I, I can, but we all know over there. Um, I mean, we're we're aware of everything that happens. You know, um, I'll even give you even a even a lesser example than that. Um, you know, when we were had a certain amount of money allocated, you know, let's say six months ago, um, we would always worry that maybe something would happen and we wouldn't get a resupply of our of our artillery shells um or we wouldn't get a resupply of uh, ammunition that we needed you know because it was always coming in batches and so they're very sensitive uh, to that and you know it's very hard to to plan a war and to and conduct the logistics of that when you have sort of a, um, an uncertainty about when deliveries will be made how much will be made and and so they're aware of even minor things like that um, that that are that are guaranteed. And certainly, um, you know the people they're very stoic people, and they will fight regardless. But uh, they ask about it, and they're concerned about Trump one hundred percent.
1: You think about that nascent democracy in Kiev, in my ancestral family home of Ukraine, and you think about how Putin wanted to destroy that, and hired people like, you know, the Manafort Stone uh, firm. It wasn't a law firm, but they they worked to influence elections, and they tried to subvert democracy in Ukraine. And isn't that really what Donald Trump is accused of doing in America, trying to subvert democracy? And that's the issue that brings us to the Thursday insurrection case out of Colorado, I mean my god the actions are pretty similar aren't they?
8: they they are and i think what how this dovetails for me as well is all these ridiculous conspiracy theories and lies about oh ukraine is corrupt uh you know and obviously people say that and they say you know like, like ukraine is receiving bags of money they're really receiving old equipment or uh equipment that is actually making money for us industries and, and providing jobs in and um you know in the in our country Um, But, you know, I I look at the attacks. They try to attack Zelensky and attack Ukraine with this propaganda about in this narrative about being corrupt when those same people will, you know, do anything for Donald Trump making those attacks. Um, And it's very serious. I mean, this is not there was just a riot on January 6th. This is he had electors. I mean, this is a very comprehensive, um, very complicated plan in every single state. To have these alternate electors and, and people who were like Speaker Mike Johnson who were ready and willing to do that, I mean, for the first time in American history. and I mean, it's, it's, it's troubling to think that of all the things we've been through, world wars, civil wars, revolutionary wars, uh, yeah, Great Depressions, I mean, stock market crashes in the 27 I mean, we've been through a lot in this country, and we've never come anywhere close to th- – this has never been a question. It is wholly unprecedented.
1: I know. I'm supposed to be in my uh, golden years. And yet, to me, one of the battlefronts is the media. Another battlefront is American courtrooms. God willing, we can resolve this in an American courtroom. We don't want violence. Donald Trump's the guy who wants violence, right? And I can see that. And and when he warns about Bedlam, here you are, John Jackson. You went over to Ukraine to fight for freedom. And you've got a former American president saying, I don't care if Article 3, uh, Amendment 14, fits me. If you try to enforce it, there will be bedlam. There will be trouble. How how, have you ever did you ever imagine that would happen out of the mouth of a former American president?
8: You know, uh, yeah, there's so many. There's so many interesting um, metaphors here with, you know, being over in that, that, you know, young democracy and yet feeling like uh I, I felt more secure over there that you know so, i mean under trump I, I felt like there was more corruption than there was being in ukraine even though ukraine is so much younger um I, it is shocking to hear um and for it's just such a bad example too it's, it's, it's shameful because i know people in other parts of the world look up to america and um they're interested in American culture and, um, you know, they're really, uh wanted to make a good, inf- I mean, I can just remember the looks in, in my fellow soldiers' eyes, the Ukrainians, they really wanted, you know, they wanted so bad for Americans to look at them as, you know, we're a real democracy and, you know, we're not corrupt and we really cared. Um, and then to see the bad example that we set through Trump was a little bit heartbreaking for, for me and, um, to, to see that, And that's very, I'm sure very disappointing for them, you know, uh. Yeah, I, the thing that also I think strikes, stands out to me is, you know, you become so intimate and familiar with the history of Ukraine when you're over there, specifically for me as well, with, as it touches on you know, the Cold War. And, um, and you know, as I look into the dictators of, of the Cold War, uh, like Nikolai Ceausescu, you start to realize, God, you know, Trump is a lot more like, like the, you know, the, the East Germany or Cold War Romania, one of those totalitarian di- dictatorships, they have so much in common with, with him and his character. Um, it's very it's very interesting. You really start to understand the risks of things from a whole new perspective.
1: Absolutely. And he's acknowledged having that book of Hitler's best speeches. He said that a Jewish guy gave it to him and they went to the Jewish guy who was named Klein and he said, yeah, I did give it to him. But I'm not Jewish. My name happens to be that. I know that story. It's been in Business Insider, et cetera. But I want to know this because I have a Colorado centric podcast. And it gives me a kick to know that you were listening to it over in Ukraine. And may maybe other people will hear it all over the world. But what do people in Ukraine think about Colorado? Were you there when the Colorado Supreme Court ruled? And of course, they probably know about Nikola Jokic and stuff like that. But did they say, wow, you're from Colorado? Or when that opinion came down, did they say, tell us about Colorado, John Jackson?
8: You know, it, it, there, there's a fairly large Ukrainian community here. And um, I, uh, they know about Colorado uh, because of the mountains. And they didn't know about the opinion. And um, I, I was proud. It's a proud moment for Colorado, you know, to say, um, look, the 14th Amendment's there. It's not optional. Um, you know Abraham Lincoln helped put that in the in the Constitution. We're going to follow it, and that was they did ask about that, and I explained you know we, what Colorado was doing and why it was important. Um, I was that was proud to hear, and, and they definitely know about it, and, uh, Nicole Jokic, of course, and um, you know there's uh, it is it is a place. It's you know it's not like you know not to <laughs> don't disparage another state, but it's no, no North Dakota, or Ohio, or Iowa. You know, it's it's a special place. And there's a lot of Ukrainians that have, have settled here uh, over the years.
1: Well, you've got a special place on Twitter. I guess they call it X now. I can't stand Elon Musk, but I'm still on there. And you are dominating. You've started to put out some video products. Maybe you put it out on all social media. But I see you on X where you are at His Goes Cobra. His Goes Cobra. What a great follow. Tell us what you are doing online these days.
8: So yeah, I started a um, you know uh, I did just have foot surgery um, and uh, related to you know my time over in Ukraine. I'm fine, but I've got some uh, and I'll recover fully. But I've got some downtime, and um, you know uh, I actually I have a YouTube channel and it's uh, JJ it's at JJ Ukraine, Um, and what I've tried to focus on in that um, uh, on that channel is um, things that show the dangers of MAGA. Okay. The dangers of Donald Trump. Um, I'm doing one, you know, longer video, uh, every day. I started uh, every week and then, um, and I've got a couple on there now and I'm doing, you know, about a daily, once every day or every two days, uh, a series called MAGA hates America dealing with just, you know, 30 second videos, minute long videos of, uh, current, current events or things like that. Um, you know, from sort of the unique perspective of, of what I've, where I've served and, you know, what I've seen and, um, you know, so the first video was, uh, the longer video that I did was about, I don't know if you remember how, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the MAGA influencers cited a Russian history textbook as supposed evidence that Donald Trump won the election. And so I said, that's interesting. What else is in that Russian history textbook? Cause she said, oh, you know, Russia is telling the truth her textbook. Well, so I took the textbook, I found it, I translated it into English and I also, um, and then I went through every crazy thing that's in there. <laughs> And it basically rewrites all of the history of the last 70 years, makes America at fault for everything, you know, and it really gives you a good view into Russian propaganda. Uh, and I bookmarked it. And you can actually, there's a link in the video description. So we, as I go through it, you can see what this page says, what that page says. For example, it rehabilitated and lionized Stalin as a very good person. Um, you know, obviously we know Stalin's a horrible person. Right. Uh, then The next video that I did was about abortion. And what it was about was, um, you know, you people may say, well, what does that have to do with MAGA? Well, it's, it's very interesting. Um, in 1968, uh, Nicola Ceausescu in Romania passed what's called Decree 770. People may have heard about the Romanian orphans. They may be familiar with that, you know, hearing about that at some point. Well, it was an extreme abortion ban, similar to what you have in the 12 MAGA, uh, 12 MAGA states where they have the absolute abortion ban. You know, no rape or incest exception and no real uh, health, effective health exception. It may be there, but the, the doctor just gets a presumption. So he could still get charged if, he's, if his judgment is later, later attacked. Um, so and then I compared the, the totalitarian nature of, of, of that abortion ban that led in, in uh, Romania, which is infamous. And it led to 30,000 women dying from illegal abortions and 300,000 orphans that were like chained to walls in all these institutions. Um, and you know, with, with obviously no medical care, nobody supervising them, um, and, and the devastating impact that had on these these people. I mean, you know, obviously kids growing up without any contact are going to have uh, brain damage and so forth. I compared that law to what's going to happen in these twelve mega states since Dobbs, um, where literally all abortion is illegal, and they're even prosecuting people who go out of state. Uh, well, and and my prediction, and I compared those two, and it was interesting to me to see. The, the Romanian dictator law that led to all those really horrible consequences is actually a lot more lenient and a lot more humane than the laws in these 12 MAGA states. It has a health exception, has an age exception, has an exception for if the woman has four children. Um, and it has a health exception where the doctor could, could have called the prosecutor and gotten a safe harbor explaining that, you know, uh, can I do this abortion? He would say, yes, it meets the health exception or whatever. And then you can't be prosecuted later. Um, compare that to. The MAGA laws, where there is no health exception, practically speaking, there is no rape for incest exception, which they had in the Romanian law. And those MAGA states, highest infant mortality, highest uh, 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 mortality for the the mothers, lowest levels of health insurance, meaning lowest number of people who are insured, and the poorest states. So uh, it was interesting just to compare. We're headed down a worse path than that. This is how dangerous MAGA is. And the key thing is, abortion when you have abortion that's that strict um you put like a dictatorship the government into the doctor's office and the government into people's you know personal decision making um and uh, it allows the government to take control and it shows the hypocrisy of maga um maga is not you know they it's not a political movement i think it's a really important thing to people to think about is It's a personality cult because it doesn't have any principles. It's not small government because those abortion laws expand the government. Right. You need all these people to enforce it. They, you know, they want to look at people's bodies. They want to, you know, subpoena doctor's records. Um, And so, you know, you can just kind of get a flavor for the things that, you know, my longer videos are sort of focusing on. I love it. And you know what? You
1: know what the umbrella is? Freedom. It's all about freedom. You know who lost his freedom? Ceaușescu. He did not have a good end. And I don't know what's going to happen to Donald Trump, but I think before we get that far in America, and we've gotten way too damn far, he's going to run into a wall called the rule of law. And I think today's a great day, not just for the rule of law in America, but I think it's time to kind of set the stage for Thursday. And maybe the Supreme Court will say, wow this fits like a glove. And we're going to yeah. come up with a nine-zero decision. And you know what? We're not going to worry about the bedlam because Trump will always bring the bedlam, right? We just need right. to take away, uh, you know, the curtain uh, around this
8: Wizard of Oz.
1: Same with it, Putin. It, it, yeah.
8: It, it, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, look, Trump's going to bitch and piss and moan. Uh, you know, even if you let them on the ballot, if he loses, right. he's still going to pull the same crap right. where he says, you know, so what's the difference? You know, right. like um, and, um, you know, one thing I would say about this, too, that's God, isn't it with all of like the you think about the English common law and defamation, how old that is? You know, the, isn't it somewhat beautiful and poetic that these old common law claims in in, in, our, in the jury system? That even when we have social media and technology has changed and defamation has become so much more damaging and you know and broad in this in this society, you know what? That damn common law, that damn defamation claims that it, you know, it's, it's look how it's fixed things and look
6: how effective um, oh it still God. is,
1: and look how revealing yeah. it is. I mean, court cases involve some tension. It's not like war, but it's kind of a battle, right? And so, yeah. who can handle the pressure? Who can't? Donald Trump could have just said you know, this is a bad accusation. I I don't remember her. I wish her well. I don't even know really who she is. If he, if they, if he would have just shut up after that, maybe he'd have lost a million dollars, right? And, right. Not them. and then on this second bite at the apple, he could have shut up again and maybe lost a little money. But instead, he puts on an epic tantrum and costs himself $83 million. Now, Okay, he can do that with his money, but who would put this guy in charge of anything?
8: Who who, I, who I, would be so stupid? I mean, yeah, I don't know. if Yeah, like he, the way he behaved like a child and yes. walked out. And, I don't know if you heard about his deposition. Apparently, uh, he found out that, because there was that Mar-a-Lago, his deposition. He found out that... Um, that
1: Haber, ah, this is a courtroom or uh, litigation tradition, had agreed to serve yeah. lunch. Not just to the other attorneys, but you've got to serve the videographer and the court reporter, and they need a little bit of a break. And they can't send out for McDonald's here in Mar-a-Lago. I haven't been there. And when Trump found out about it, he threw papers and he ranted against Selena Haba. But the worst part is what he said to Robbie Kaplan at the end of One Depot. And I'm a pretty old guy. I'd never heard that expression before. Do you remember Uh, what he said?
8: Yeah, see, it was something like see you next Tuesday, which is, yes. you know, you take the first letter, it's the C word. I mean, right. good word.
1: He called her the worst thing you can call a woman. Robbie Kaplan didn't know until somebody in the car told her, what kind of a guy talks like that? Why would you put him in charge of anything? I mean, you, you've served under this military structure in Ukraine. Would you ever tolerate a leader like that?
6: Uh,
8: absolutely not <laughs> and uh you know it, the, the rule is always whatever they're doing out in the open they're doing worse you know when nobody's watching so you can only imagine right um the the, the, the guy he's such a giant baby i mean you know he reminds me I, I read a book recently it's about Ceausescu, but it's um it's called red horizons and it was from it was the, the head of his secret police who had been with him for 20 years, and he defected. And he wrote a book about revealing everything. Uh, and that was about seven years before, you know, the, uh, the dictatorship ended in 1989. And a lot of the, those characteristics of, of like, uh, of, of, of how he described Ceausescu on a daily basis, you know, uh, it was it's just so similar to Trump. He has such di- dictatorial qualities. It's incredible.
1: Right. It was just before all this craziness started. What was it? The last trial of Stalin? It seemed like an over-the-top parody with all his bootlickers and nobodys yeah. everybody's afraid to talk to him, honestly. I just can't believe the GOP. I mean, it, it's gone now. It's just the Trump party, it's kind of full circle to what you discussed. But I think Colorado can hasten the end of it. People hopefully will recover their their wits and their wisdom, because freedom is the way to go. And, you know, if Ukraine doesn't get funded, if, God forbid, Donald Trump were to be reelected, can you can you even let your mind go there? What would happen to Ukraine?
8: You know, um, I I think, you know, as a soldier, you know, you always have to have the mentality that, uh, uh, you know, in in the belief inside that, you know, when you go on a mission, you're, you're, you tell yourself, you know, I'm the I'm the baddest guy in this jungle. We're the baddest unit in this jungle. We're the baddest military in this jungle when we go out there. Um, and so we always have this this belief against any and all odds that that we will prevail no matter what happens. Um, but I, however, I mean, as realistically speaking, um, you know, it is. Um, I, I hate to say it, but there's I mean, going were, the genocide. That would happen if, if that took place, um, because what what Trump, like an idiot, is counting on is that, oh, well, once he cuts off funding for Ukraine, Putin will just negotiate. He's not going to negotiate. OK, why would he at that point? All right. Um, uh, they have 370, 380 thousand dead, a million wounded in Russia. Human life means nothing to them. Um, they'll throw more human waves attacks at it. Uh, I, I, you know, we're going to have the, the casualties of Mary Upol, uh, the mass graves of Izium that I've seen where hundreds and hundreds of men men, women and children were shot in the back of the head. Um, and uh, we're going to have, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400,000, 500,000, potentially a million dead civilians. out east. It's going to be a, a Rwanda genocide type bloodbath in eastern Ukraine. And I, and I know it may sound like people say, oh, but that's hyperbole. It's really not, if you think about the history of, of what Russia did in the Holomador, uh, which is the genocide of starving people in Ukraine. Uh, they find, I'll give you an example. They find mass graves all the time in, in Poland, that they didn't even know we're there. We're still discovering the crimes of, of Russia. Um, an example, in the Odessa airport, you may remember you know, or have heard several years ago about how Denver International Airport was lengthening a runway or, or adding a building. Well, you know, it's a routine thing you do with airports. You expand them, I mean, you make the runway longer. They did that in Odessa airport in 2019, and they found randomly 8,000 bodies in a mass grave. I mean, like, can you imagine that? I mean, just like, oh, oh there's 8,000 bodies there. They didn't even know about it. I mean, who knows what's going on? We we will never know all the crimes that have happened. So, oh man, um,
1: I'll tell you what. Thank God you're paying attention, and that's why you are a must follow and JJ Ukraine on YouTube. I'm on YouTube, but I don't put out anything visual. You're young and handsome, and why wouldn't you be on there? Everybody should watch that. But I think it's good. Through my show, I'm counting on you to watch Ukraine. I'm counting on Kenny Toltz to watch Israel. I'm watching both those things, but I'm trying to keep my eyes on America and the courts and the rule of law, right? We all have our, our things we've got to do, and and it all kind of goes together, don't you think?
8: Yeah, it, it certainly does. Uh, you know, um, I, I did a video recently uh, just on Twitter where I just kind of, you know, sort of vented d- my feelings and, and, you know, got quite a few uh, views. And wouldn't you know it, there's Russian bots and the there's the Gaza bots, you know, and um, that's not a coincidence. You know, you, the the International Coalition of Terrorism is is all tied together. Uh, you know, Russia wants a war in Israel. They don't like democracy. Um, you know, and so then you look at also in America, too, there's um, MAGA wants whatever Trump wants and Trump wants whatever Putin wants. It all is about serving him. And, you know, we have we have great courts in Colorado, state courts, in Colorado, right? We have you know, our federal courts are, are good, but we still have, you know, places like Ken Paxton in Texas. We still have the Texas Supreme Court that's you know, got major issues. I mean, if you may remember the, the woman who uh, the abortion case where she got a court order, and then the Texas Supreme Court allowing her to get an abortion. The Texas Supreme Court intervened, and I don't know if you may have heard about right. this. The judge, the judge, one of the judges on that case had been arrested like fifty-seven times or something like that for uh, at abortion protests, being a pro-lifer, you know, who's like screaming at women going to abortion clinics. Holy and God. he allowed himself to decide that case, you know. Um, you know, so God was very vigilant. You know.
1: All right. Well, let's let's pay attention. And by the way, the guy doing the arguing for Trump on Thursday, Jonathan Mitchell. He was a student of your fellow guest, Albert Alshuler at the University of Chicago School of Law. And it's a small world. And we bring a full circle on Craig's Colorado Corner. You've been the headliner at John Jackson at the end of this amazing program because you bring in, we went a little further than the court cases, but you know, my heart is with the people of Ukraine. I, I totally agree that, that Vladimir Putin, he, he's trying to ruin the world. And Trump is one of his tools to do so, right?
8: Yeah. Yeah. And you see, I mean, and other things, you know that you see with MAGA that it's just a little thing, but it's a big thing too. This stupid concept of, quote, warfare. I don't know, you've probably heard that term. Yes. Mike Johnson used this today when he was all red-faced and being asked about it jd vance was on the george stephanopoulos who by the way did a great job handling him and turning off his microphone yes um you know the other day saying that you know jury verdicts are invalid if we don't like them or if they're in the jurisdiction we don't like right um you know maggot will it's a threat to the judicial system to say oh lawfare because i don't like it i mean to casually brush away the the the, the greatest legal system in history with the most due process possible, okay? Um, Uh, On behalf of Donald
1: Trump, who's sued and been sued about 3,000 times, he's the plaintiff-in-chief. A guy named James Zirin has written the book on that. Nobody has abused our civil and criminal justice system like Donald Trump. Let me just say civil justice system because the criminal justice system is going to take care of his ass that's what I think. I think we're on the way, and you're not going to destroy my good mood. I'm telling you, with this immunity ruling and what might be coming on Thursday. Now, I've asked a lot of smart lawyers, and you know, I had Judge Ludig on my show, episode one eighty nine. But yeah, you, Judge, fantastic, Jackson, yeah.
8: What? What, a, what, a great what, guy.
1: what do you think the odds are that the U.S. Supreme Court upholds the Colorado Supreme Court?
8: You know, um, I. Uh, as I look at that, uh, the briefing. Uh, well, first of all, I, I think the the briefing uh, in, in favor of the in the amicus briefing um, in favor of the the Supreme Court, Colorado Supreme Court decision, and, and the briefing from the uh, the uh, the plaintiffs in the Colorado Supreme Court case uh, was was phenomenal, and I was very pleased to see the Civil War historians in the amicus yes. briefing. You know, uh, that was Beautiful, great. Yeah, I'm a big student of the of the Civil War, and um, and I uh, I think it's you know a pivotal moment in our and in world history, and um, you know I think that's it's um, it's poetic that Lincoln and, and Grant and those great leaders from the past uh, can can reach can still talk to us from beyond the grave and getting those things passed in our great time, and it's like the former greatness of America correcting the the problems that we have now in a way. But um, I, I, I just, I struggled to find a way where the Supreme Court, A, wants, I mean, first of all, this whole thing is belief that if we appointed Donald Trump, if Donald Trump appointed a Supreme Court justice, they're going to automatically rule in his favor. I, I don't ever think it's that simplistic. Plus, I don't think they really like him creating all kinds of problems. And the guy's right. going to be a constant headache right, if he gets reelected. Right,
1: right.
8: The they're all yeah, I and mean, when he gets some of these, you know, he gets going at these speeches where he gets all lathered up and you know, whoever he may be with all his sycophants, and he says, "I got to move you weight overturned." I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a justice he appointed, I'm like, "Oh my right. god," you make it sound like it was a, a quid pro quo or something, you know? Right. So
1: and then when he when he kind of pulls his mobster move on them, you know, I made you and I appointed you, and you better not lean over backwards. You want to do a little poetic something or other? As a Colorado guy, I think back to Lincoln. He knew about yeah. Colorado. He knew it as part of the Kansas territory. And it was a big issue whether it was going to be a free state or a slave state, right? That was part right, of the right. argument. The Kansas-Nebraska compromise and all that. And he he sent his uh his guy uh Colfax, Skylar Colfax, out to Colorado. Yeah, yeah, and yes, right. and 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 then US Grant wouldn't let us in the union until it was pretty clear that We were going to honor the dictates of the North, and thank God we were always a free state, never a slave state. So I just think it's kind of cool that things might culminate here in Colorado with the Colorado Supreme Court saying, you know what? After the Civil War, we contemplated a guy just like you, Donald Trump, and you are disqualified from this golf tournament.
8: Yeah, yeah, and I also, you know, there's, and I've read about that that Gorsuch opinion where he said, yeah, you, I'm sure you're aware, where he's yes. very similar thing where he said, look, uh, it's for states, you know, it's, I mean, you can't elect a, a rabbit to be president. You can't elect someone who's, you know, born in another country. So if, if, so if you
1: spent two yeah. decades in Ukraine in a row, you're not eligible. And what would they do? Have a criminal trial for you? No, they'd have a hearing in Denver District Court, just like they had for Trump, and see if they could prove that you lived overseas for that long. You know what I mean?
8: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, and then if you look at the main case, too, I mean, you know, it, like, he has had so many bites as a judicial apple. It, by any definition, he's, you know, committed an insurrection. He did it on January 6th, but he also did it with his long long, and short-term planning. I mean, you know, like I said, to get all those alternate slates of electors and people flying around the country and You know, with these ballots, that's
1: it's ongoing. It's ongoing, but it could all end with some sharp questioning Thursday morning. I'm going to be up, and you and I are going to get together now that you're in Colorado, John. Thank you so much for what you do, and for being the headliner on this podcast.
8: Thank you so much, Um, and like I said, I always am humbled and privileged to serve the armed forces of Ukraine, and, and I. Um, I think it's consistent with our history to stand up for, for democracy and everything we fought for in the Cold War. And, and Ukraine is very grateful and they love America. So thank you so much for the, the attention on that. And, um, yeah, and, and look forward to really being uh, helpful to democracy. These are trying times, but uh, we can have something sunlight come out of the darkness and with um, with, with great journalism like you've got and, and, and our hope and faith going forward. Thank you so much.
1: Thank
8: you. Take care, John. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.
1: Now, during the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey?
0: What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. And it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money, or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals.
1: How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer.
0: So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me. Or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me.
1: Hey, I told you this would be great. And I think I delivered all oh, my guests. My goodness, John Jackson, your courage, your dedication to freedom inspires Rich Cotty. You use words like a weapon and I like it. You teach me Amazing constructions of syllables I never contemplated. Albert Al Schiller, you taught me a lot about how to be a lawyer. Best professor I had in law school. Thank you for being uh, my guest again. Ed Barad, a mentor, a role model, an attorney in Colorado, super successful, laying it on the line for democracy and freedom. Gotta love that. Gotta love the Denver DA's office. That's where I worked for 16 years. Leora Joseph, God bless you for seeking that office. It's a worthy venture and look forward to interviewing you some more for this Saturday's show. Alan Malk, what a great friend. Your wit and wisdom is shown right through this broadcasting studio. Thanks for giving me a kibitz. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks everybody for listening tell a friend, please subscribe. Five stars on Apple or Spotify. That would be nice with a sweet review. Everybody likes that. I'm rooting for Colorado in the Supreme Court. How about you? Have a great day. Thank you.
0: That's the show. We hope you liked it. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a five-star review. Thanks for listening.